Hello, hello, and welcome to Orbiting the Ghost Planet. I'm Nick. I'm Joe. And this week, we watched Season 1, Episode 8, Batmantis, with the commentary track. Indeed we did. So again, uh, we get to see a bit more into the behind the scenes, because we like to watch the commentary tracks, and so we're doing it for the show. Uh, what'd you think? What stuck out? Once again, we get, um... <laughs> I like this one. They were having fun just kind of talking about stuff. It's just riffing. Being silly. <laughs> yeah, they're riffing with each other. It, it's it, good to know that, you know, the team behind the show had a really good dynamic and that the parts of the show that are funny and you can kind of see where they came from because they just were funny and were trying to make each other laugh all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, start out with a little bit of Matt Malero lying again, <laughs> saying, claiming that he was the lead animator. Uh, even though, in fact, on this episode, we have, uh, C. Martin Croker, uh, Clay to some people, uh, who actually was the primary animator, the one making all the new scenes of Space Ghost, all the new little pieces of animation. Uh, Which, if you remember, our episode talking about Batmantis has a lot, because you have the Batmantis in this one. Yeah, so he did a ton for this, uh... And that's all in addition to being the voice of Zorak and Maltar. Mm-hmm. Which, he cracks out a little Zorak on command <laughs> in the commentary and freaks everyone out, and it's the best. <laughs> uh, I forget who said it. Someone commented how this episode was one of the first to actually start getting some viewership for the show, even though it was like the eighth episode or whatever. Well, it was eight episodes in, which means, you know, it's been around for, for eight weeks or what have you. Mm-hmm. So, by that point, people will have heard of it. Plus, they have the people from Batman on Yeah. <laughs> so, I believe this is what we said during the Batman episode. Uh, you can, you get a big name like that, people will tune in just to see what else is happening with Batman people. Uh, and so, I finally looked it up. Mm-hmm. And that dig about See You at the Car Show, Adam, I'm pretty sure there is no specific controversy with that. I think it's just that... Um, Batman only lasted three seasons, and apparently it really sort of fizzled out near the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have first hand on this, but this is what I'm picking up so far. And it sounds like in that sort of post-Batman era, everyone from the show really rode out a long time. <laughs> uh, just sort of Batman and uh, Adam West and Bruce Wayne and uh, <laughs> Adam West and Burt Ward specifically just sort of going around and making appearances at car shows, mm-hmm. just sort of randomly be like, hey, come to our car show, meet the Batman! Uh, that kind of thing, real... Yeah. Real weak, like, social presence kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that I think that is what that dig is at, just how weak has your life been since. Um, which is not nice. No. Maybe true, but it's not nice. And, of course, Adam West was on this episode to promote his new book. Back to the Batcave. Right. Uh, which did get turned into a TV movie at one point. Huh. So, this commentary also reveals how huge nerds all the people working on the show were. <laughs> Especially Andy and Clay uh, in, in this one. They're just sort of going back and forth, seeing who can name more bit part actors from more, you know, late 80s TV movies. <laughs> Just going, back. and it's a weird thing, and it kind of explains why I like this show so much because I'm kind of that same kind of guy, the sort of absorption nerd. It's just like, oh hey, info about this thing that I kind of like. It's just in my brain now. It lived there. Mm-hmm. If 
facts check in, they don't check out. <laughs> and other TV jingle paraphrases as well. But yeah, so it, it kind of goes to show. It's the rule of if you're going to make something, make something that you will enjoy. Because then yeah. there are going to be other people like you, so they will enjoy it as well. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why I like the show. Because... It's the kind of thing you would like to make. Yeah, the kind of people are working on it just said, hey, I won't... I would be the kind of person who would work on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reason I brought up the book, though, is because um, Kagi made a joke that was probably more true than joke about how they didn't let people promote stuff on the show because by the time it aired, it was usually irrelevant again. <laughs> well, we've seen that before. Uh, what was the last one? Was it Danny Bonaducci when Mozart was sick and Zorak sat on the remote and they changed mm-hmm. those two singing girls? Probably. I, I should find out what they were. <laughs> I should find out what clip was. What I think was pretty interesting is they made, because they had such big name stars, you know, rel- used to be big name yeah. you know, on car show appearances or whatever, <laughs> which, sorry, but. You know, Facts is facts. You they they make some comparisons to something like The Simpsons and Family Guy, which is because Adam West was on those too. But they make those comparisons, and in doing so, they sort of reveal that they knew where they were in the TV animation firmament. Yeah. Uh, they knew that they were the small bit players. They knew that they were running some sort of garage band equivalent of yeah. a show. But they also didn't seem to have a problem with that. No, that's what they wanted. Yeah, they were doing something that they liked. They were getting some names of people that they looked up to and and knew, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, And they made something that... They're still laughing at it. Mm -hmm. At some point, they're laughing at it, making fun of it, for this thing that they made and worked so hard on so long But being able to make fun of your own projects is a good thing. Like, to be able to, like, you know, recognize where things fell short a little bit. It's probably to the credit of the show that they were able to make fun of it and keep themselves from getting too self-serious about it. Yeah, you're still enjoying it. Something like this, that really would have hurt the show if they were too serious. Yeah, but it was never meant to be serious, so... They would not have put that one (laughs) scene of the Muffin Man. The one (laughs) scene with the Bigfoot walking through the forest and then just... It's it's so good. They think it's so good. Uh-huh. It's so good. <laughs> also, when they were talking about the animation and stealing clips from TNT movies, yep. you got a little bit of background on uh, Moltar's screen and how they ended up having him be such a big Chips fan. Yep. Uh, and not just that, I forget what it is in the last one and we didn't talk about it, but in some of these commentaries you get to hear about some of the things they weren't allowed to put in the show, some of the things that they thought about and had to cut out. Yeah. They were, you know, they're a group of adults just funning around, but mm-hmm. they could get a little raunchy and a little bit extra mean <laughs> at times. Although, you know, it, it would have been a very different take. tone. <laughs> yeah, it would, well, would, Mozart, they were talking about what they wanted was the scene... Where, what was it? From Gone with the Wind. From Gone with the Wind, where the lady falls down the stairs and loses the baby. Yeah. Which, 
Like, if Moltar had been laughing at that, it would have made sense, would have made it a different take on that character. <laughs> that is a bit too harsh. Um, but yeah, it's really weird when you then see how the show was formed by its standards and practices. Yeah. Or, the or, parameters they had to work within. Yeah, because they were on Cartoon Network, because they were, you know, a kid's show. Now, this was back... Yeah, so this is 94. We were saying Cartoon Network was like two years old at this point. Uh, it was a place to offload all of the Hanna-Barbera cartoons that Turner had bought uh, for syndication. Mm-hmm. I remember it being, I want to say Cartoon Network was channel 67 on our cable box. So it was way up there. Yeah, that this sounds is, about right. This was only when we had about 90, um, if that. I started getting to a lot of data channels around 80. <laughs> But, and so there was a very big focus on, well, you know, this is about cartoons, this is for kids, there's a very specific thing we were doing here. So they were very strict on what the show was allowed to be, and mm-hmm. you know, there were a lot of expectations on the directions the show should take. Yeah, and like no cursing and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's really weird when you see the way that this clashed with the way that they were making it, which mm-hmm. was just rip on each other and on stuff and on the guests and put it together into a show and put it on the air for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. What you, I've, I've seen some behind the scenes and interviews for Animaniacs. <laughs> and a lot of what worked about that show was the technique of, all right, we want to make a dirty joke. Let's write an even dirtier joke. So that, that way the censors will cut that one and leave the one that we want. <laughs> like they were trying to push the envelope. Yeah. And then the censors would let the dirtier one in, and so the show just got even more, I guess not necessarily highbrow, but less children-friendly. And in just a sense, pushing the limits, seeing what would get allowed to be let in. Yeah. Well, the idea that children-friendly means you have to sort of talk down to your audience about, like, oh, you're so little, you won't get this. Yeah. But it's just like, no, let's just do something something that respects the audience a little more, mm-hmm. expects a little more out of them, and then it ended up getting in. And Animaniacs as a show is another one I would like to really revisit, because that show actually still stands up as, like, kids' cartoon. It's still funny as you age. Um but so that was them trying to push the envelope and being like, well, you know, how much for adults can we make it? Space Ghost was sort of formed the other way where they were just adults just doing some garbage mm-hmm. and trying to make each other laugh and then getting sort of pared down into a safer show. But at the same time, just the sort of comedy they were going for is just weird. Like <laughs> it's not even comedy for adults that they had to cut into comedy for kids. It's just weird. And it's like, it's weird the places around the edges where they had to cut, because it's just like, it's like, well, he's just being too mean there. Mm-hmm. The jokes are still too weird, so I guess we'll leave them. <laughs> it's, the stuff that I got away with was just being weird. Well, a lot of stuff on Cartoon Network at the time was weird. Mm-hmm. I remember the part where they started showing the, like, Canadian Library of Cartoons <laughs> on the O Canada spot. And those cartoons were weird. I remember one very vividly that had to do with nuclear war. Uh-huh. Um, by the way, you know you can go online to, like, the National Canadian Film Board online and just stream all those cartoons? That doesn't surprise me. 
It's weird. It's interesting. They got one about how the cat came back the very next day. That used to be one of my favorite songs in elementary school. Yeah. And I think this is a lot about me. I should go post that on Tumblr, actually. <laughs> but between that and Toon Heads, which was just cartoons where the bumpers were a puppet head in amongst a pile of hay just talking about the cartoons on the TV next to it. Like, they were doing some kind of weird stuff, which, when you think about it... This was the side job that these people had to creating those kinds of bumpers and, yeah. and blocks. So I'm not surprised the whole network was kind of weird. Yeah. But you're allowed to get away with being weird when you're up on Channel 67 or nobody's yeah. watching you anyway. <laughs> um. Again, I forget who I couldn't keep. I can't keep voices straight for who be- which voice belongs to who. It takes a while. Yeah. Um. But somebody was saying how... Um. Well, because one of the gags in Batmantis was, you know, it did the punches and it had the the comic style um oh my god it's blanked on what you call those it's like action balloons yeah the action like sound effect balloon yeah. things so like the joke was that like Zorak was telling him you know do a proper noun you know do the do the theory of evolution and then the whole theory of evolution was written really tiny inside the bubble um so then he was commenting on how when some people transcribed the episodes and they would actually write all that stuff out so they started throwing stuff into like multar screens and stuff just for funsies yeah it's good when you can get some fan interaction in which is something we really need to work on our own (laughs) but so there's other times when they talk about they would go to conventions with like premieres of new episodes and stuff Mm. Uh, they had a weird Again, this is 94, so I think there was a really weird sense of the internet at the time. Yeah. And, and you kind of see it, we watched a lot of MST3K, mm-hmm. and they're still talking about the fan club, send your fan letters to this physical address yeah. at P.O. Box. So this is, and we get it at the end of some of the episodes, they talk about P.O. Box, but then also bulletin boards, and we're still... Right. So this is sort of in the era where... The inter- transitioning into the digital yeah, communications. The internet was becoming accessible enough that more and more people were getting on it. And finally you were getting to this place where the fans were being able to find each other. Mm-hmm. And the people who really got into stuff were suddenly now, you know, localizing one place. And they were working on stuff about like, well, I'm going to write these up. We're going to work on transcribing them. Mm-hmm. We're going to get these things recorded. And be able to do it on their own without having to go to, like, a specific fan club or right. meeting up through the creators of the show or something like that. And it was a weird, really weird time. Um, as opposed to today, where that got a bit too big, and now you have multiple fan-run wikis for any given thing. Mm-hmm. And it's strangely bloated, and so many people are into it that it's split up into subgroups again because... Humans don't know how to work with other humans. It's called tribalism, and it's... Like I was saying the other day, tribalism and the fact that we kind of want to just wipe out entire groups of us every so often is probably instinctual because that is our population-limiting... Control mechanism, yeah. I'm sorry. I have a degree in psychology. I need to stop this. Um... Well, that's okay. Next time, we won't have to... Think about stuff like that. After next episode, we may want to take a break from thinking altogether. Uh, and we hope that you will join us then when we talk about another 
special episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast and definitely complete another orbit around the ghost planet. You have been listening to Orbiting the Ghost Planet, an Aliku Studios podcast network production. You can visit the show page at alikustudios.net slash podcast slash ghost planet. There you can find the rest of our episodes, the RSS feed for the show, and links to our Facebook page where you can talk about this and all the other Aliku Studios shows. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, you can help us by leaving a quick review and rating. Please visit alikustudios.net to learn more about us and what we do. That's O-L-E-E-T-K-U.